We found your word this evening and did eat it, and your word was to us the joy and rejoicing of our heart. So we thank you for spirit of, spirit of grace, for enlightening the eyes of our understanding, and revealing the Father's word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as I started this, I told you last week, we'll be about done with meekness. And uh, I believe this subject's important in this hour for what's coming. And uh, we as believers need to know how to behave, especially in the local church. And uh, so I'm going to review here, and uh, then I'm going to uh, start giving, I'm going to just concentrate on one individual tonight, his name's Abraham. And uh, there's a number of examples in the scripture that, that, you know, of Bible characters that operated in meekness. And we're successful, excuse you. You drank your supper, didn't you? Meekness is not weakness, but power under perfect control. Meekness makes you careful and controlled in difficult circumstances. How many have had a few? That didn't sound right, did it? After telling her that she drank her dinner, and I asked, how many of you had a few? Okay. Good thing we're not a religious bunch here. We can just be ourselves. Meekness makes you careful and controlled in difficult circumstances. An individual possesses the fruit of meekness, knows how to control his flesh and emotions. Meekness is another way of saying it is gentleness, humility, controlled strength, and self-discipline. Meekness must be sought. It should be displayed by ministers or any believer for that matter. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It should be put on daily, should be pursued, should be used when being opposed should be demonstrated, must be used in receiving the truth. We said there's seven blessings of meekness. Number one, the meek shall eat and be satisfied. Number two, God will bless you with guidance in judgment and give you knowledge. Number three, you will inherit the earth. You'll have salvation, which is help and deliverance. On a daily basis, you'll be lifted up by God. You'll experience increased joy. And you'll be an individual believer who will restore and bless others. Now, tonight, uh, I kind of got off track, but I want you to look in your Bibles to, uh, first of all, look at Acts chapter 6, and then find Genesis 13. Acts chapter 6 and Genesis 13. As I, as I was uh, preparing this about Abraham, I kind of got off, but it fits and it's important. And uh, the first scripture I want to I read to you here, I asked you to turn there and then I lost my place. In Acts 6, 1, let me read it to you. It says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hel- Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So, there were some people upset. But the thing, and you've heard me say this before, a complaint arose or strife erupted suddenly out of nowhere. And in the days ahead, and we've all experienced this, in the days ahead, and this is what I want to get across to you tonight. Every one of us in this room is going to have to guard against strife. 
Everyone say, guard against strife. Whether it be your marriage. I'll look at my wife and nobody will get upset. Whether it be your marriage, your relatives, your in-laws, or your outlaws. You've got you to be lighthearted or it will get too serious. Where you work. Do you suppose there's ever been any strife there at FedEx? Not here, though. Not here, though. How about Culver's? <laughs> I don't care where you work. Wherever you work, there could be strife. Amen? I was giving Caleb an elbow. Would you agree with me? And right now, because of... How about Congress right now? Have you seen what's going on there with Matt Gates and McCarthy and a little bit of strife? All bulk. <laughs> you go to ball games, you ever seen a parent just lose it? How about the races? Did you ever see a knockdown, drag out? Really? Through the years you've seen fights? Women pulling each other's hair and everything? <laughs> Well, how about churches? Do you think there's ever been any strife when people come in and find somebody else sitting in their chair or their pew? Sure there has. Think there's ever been any strife in the nursery or in children's church? Or How about, do you think through the years in, in the world, in the churches, there's ever been strife on a worship team? Maybe a little bit? You see where I'm going with this? I don't care where you're at, what you're doing. You're going to be uh, challenged with strife. But meek people know how to deal with it. One of the guys that I was going to talk about but was Moses. and It says he was the most humble or meek man on the face of the earth. I, I got to thinking about that. Did he start out that way? Didn't he kill an Egyptian and bury him in the sand? Didn't he just beat the crap out of a rock? Cause, you know, instead of speaking to it? But he did finally, I think, make it. So we're all works in progress. But I'm going to tell you something, because this is the core group here usually on Wednesday night. You're going to have to guard against it in the days ahead. And if you get in it and you find yourself in it, get out of it. Or if you encounter somebody in strife, be a peacemaker. Amen? Amen. Now look at Genesis 13. This is, this is a, a great example of meekness and handling strife. I'm going to read um, in chapter 13, verses 1 through uh, 7. It's first, and then we'll finish later. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot went with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he'd made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. So you are who you hang around. He's smart. He hung around his uncle, and it blessed him. Now the land was not able to what? 
support or bear them, and they, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great they could not dwell together. And there was what? Strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. So it wasn't necessarily Abram and Lot, but it was their herdsmen. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. And I, I used to read over that, and then I looked up what Canaanite means and a Perizzite means. Now listen, this is, this is something when you think about it. God's blessings of wealth and riches put a strain upon Abram and Lot's relationship. Poverty didn't. Did it? Problems and perils along the journey didn't. It was when there was increase. So when you get, you know, your, your finances increase, wealth increase, riches increase, and you realize, why did that all happen? Because of God's blessing. And who, who would have thunk that God blessing Abraham would have created all this division and all this strife and see, the thing that, that was, I think, that really probably bothered Abraham about this, this uh, potential for, for strife between the herdsmen is it would bring reproach upon him and his clan and his people with the inhabitants of that land, which were the what? The Canaanites and the Perizzites. Now, Canaanites means to press down or to hum- humiliate. That's what Canaanite means. Parasite means an unwalled city and implies a lack of discipline. Now, you could study that out and, and probably get a lot more, but Abraham was dealing with some shady characters. And so I'm sure he was trying to be very careful how to behave. He was in their land where they were at, although it wasn't their land. But he was just trying to be a good guy. But because of the strife, um, what could happen, Abraham didn't waste any time, or they would waste little time in attacking Abraham's character or disparaging his God. So he had to be careful. And see, that's what happens in a church. You have strife, you have division. If you don't deal with it, then it starts affecting the church body. Amen? And it says in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers. Say, blessed are the peacemakers. So I'm telling you something tonight, and I don't want to get in strife about it. You're a peacemaker. And don't try to put that on me. Because I'm not, and she's not, supposed to be the only peacemaker in this church. Amen. If you have somebody that's coming against somebody else in the church and talking behind their back and complaining about this and complaining about that, what should you do? I'm not going to do anything because I'll let Pastor Mike deal with it. Well, the first thing you need to do is pray about it. I was sitting in the dentist chair yesterday getting a tooth pulled. And uh, I didn't feel a thing. He's good. 
and he's a Christian dentist and uh, a great guy. I really like him. And he started telling me about he's going to a church, and he says, of course, the board runs the church, and the pastor's just been there just not very long. And the pastor came over to his house for dinner, and it was just the man and the kids, and they had dinner, and he sat down with this dentist and told him all that was going on and how the board was trying to control the church and take over everything. Yeah, not here. Whatever, in Lincoln. But I looked at him and I said, well, that's what happens. I could have gone into more detail, but see, they was a Presbyterian church. They have a board, it's a board-run church. They have so-called elders, which aren't even spiritually mature people, you know. But he was going on how the strife and all the dissension and how it affected this pastor. And, and it was affecting his health, and I just looked at him. And then he looked at me and says, do you ever go on a sabbatical? I said, yeah, I went somewhere in the spring. Not a sabbatical vacation, but I should probably go on more. Amen. You should probably send me somewhere, you know, if you want me to go somewhere. Amen. What? Stanton. Dear blindness, right. But he was concerned about his pastor. And I said... I said, you're not telling me something that I already didn't know. And so in the days ahead, folks, it's not all about me or her. It's about all of you stepping up to the plate and leading. Oh, I'm not a leader. Suck it up. Lead. You can do it. You're called... And, and I don't have it with me. I wish I'd had it. They're all over in my desk. How um, God spoke to Nate about the people in the church, basically, you know, more Aaron's and hers. What did Aaron and her do? Held up the hands. Amen of Moses. And so that's what I'm asking you're going to have to do in the days ahead. You hear someone coming against and talking bad about your preacher? You're going to turn a deaf ear? Or are you going to deal with it? You don't have to be a jerk. but You can be polite, but you need to be honest. If more people would step up and, and defend their pastors and shepherds, things would go a lot easier. Now, I'm not talking about a knockdown drag out. I don't want that. Amen? I don't want that, Bobby. I know. But I'm saying, you're going to have to recognize when you hear stuff, Deal with it. Amen? Amen. Now, let me give you some de- some information about strife. I've had this for years, and it's so good I had it typed up. Strife is sudden. It's a process. Say, strife is a process. Proverbs 17:14 says, "The beginning of strife is like releasing water, therefore stop contention before a quarrel starts. The beginning of strife is like turning on the faucet. Now if there's a beginning, there's got to be a middle and there's got to be an end. Right? Triggering an argument is like turning on a faucet. It is better to leave it closed. So it's not something that just happens. 
You know, it's just like in, in Acts chapter 6, out of the blue, it happened. But more than likely, things have been going on at home. People were complaining. They didn't like the fact that they weren't being served. And, and that's why if you're, if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you spend time in prayer and you have your nose in the book continually, you're going to be sensitive to that. Amen? And I don't want you just looking for a devil around every corner, but, you know, you can tell a lot about an individual by what comes out of their... out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen? Where did strife begin? And I, I, I gave you the Scripture in Isaiah 14, verse 12, and Ezekiel 28. Who started it all? Lucifer. Say Lucifer. And the reason for Lucifer's fall was pride, jealousy, and self-ambition. Now, I'm going to give you some sources for strife. I'll read these to you. You can write down the Scripture if you'd like. First one's hatred. Everyone say hatred. In Proverbs 10:12, it says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Love is like a, a quilt or a blanket that covers that contention or that sin or that strife but you're not a pe- you're not a people that hate we don't hate do we but that doesn't mean in the days ahead you're not going to have to deal with that the second one is anger say anger is a source of strife in proverbs 29:22 it says an angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgression have you ever been angry have you ever said something you shouldn't have said? Amen. And see, those words, can, can your tongue can set a fire. And that's what we've got to be careful. Here's another source for, for strife, and that's your flesh. And in Galatians 5.19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambitions, dissension, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We don't want to practice strife or contention. Amen. Here's another one along the same lines. Carnality, which is just your flesh rules you. First Corinthians 3 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For, now listen, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. See, that's what can happen in a church. The, Satan wants to create divisions. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere man? For where one says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? So basically, if we're in strife, we're being ruled by our flesh and we're carnal. So next time you have an opportunity to get in strife, just remember if you do, you're just carnal. And that's the opposite of being spiritually mature. Well, I know this subject, it's really going over good tonight. Next one, another source for strife 
And we found this in Luke 22:24. It's self-seeking. Say self-seeking. It says, Now there were also a dispute among them, the disciples, as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Amen. And see, that can happen in, in, a, in a church. People get an overinflated opinion of themselves and what they're called to do, whether it be an usher, whether it be on a worship team, whatever. You, you get too big for your britches. And, and that can create some problems. Here's another one. Proverbs 26:21 says, As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. A contentious man to kindle strife. Let me read that to you from um, the message translation in Proverbs 26. Verse 21. I have so many scriptures tonight. Proverbs 26 and verse 21. A quarrelsome person is a dispute. In a dispute, a quarrelsome person in a dispute is like kerosene thrown on a fire. It's like kerosene thrown on a fire. Amen? So, what's the best thing to do if, if there's an argument? Keep your mouth closed. Don't argue. See, we come from a family of arguers, don't we, Caleb Michael? When he was little, the kid just wouldn't give up. Once it started, right? Caleb, you found that out through the... He hasn't given up yet. Yeah, 40 years on the back side of the desert might do it, but you'd love that way <laughs> if it was wildlife. <laughs> but some of us can be like that, you know. I've learned, don't even try to fight with her. Because you're going to lose. You're just going to lose. Right, Bia? Are you the same way? Yeah. That's what you get when you marry a German. Stummered old German. So, you know, as charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man or woman to kindle strife. Just, just don't start the fire. Or if you do, put it out right away. Here's, the, here's one more. Disputes, 1 Timothy 6, verse 3 says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he's proud knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, and evil suspicions. Now, you know, we're supposed to follow after good doctrine. But do you know you're going to have people who are going to argue with you? Amen? How about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues? Mike, have you found that out before dealing with people? They're going to argue with you. They're going to tell you, nah, it's not for this distance, for this time. Or passed away with the apostles. And they're going to, but you're better off not even arguing with them. Just, just give them the word and smile and walk away. You know what the biggest source of strife is? I'm, I'll give you $100,000 to the person going to tell me the biggest source of strife. Well, that's good. And you're right. But there's another one. Your tongue. Your tongue. 
say? My tongue. James 3, 5 says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things, and how great a force to fire a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire. See, my tongue might be a fire, but it doesn't rule me. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Proverbs 21:23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles or keeps his soul from strife. One more. Proverbs 18:20. One, you know this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So do you see here, there's a number of sources for strife. How many of you, you know, there's no strife right now in your family. Raise your hand if you don't have any strife. How many are dealing with strife in the workplace or wherever? Couple? Okay. Well, the rest of you wake up because you're going to have to. You'll be experiencing it too. You can't help but what's going on in this world right now. It's a spirit. Now, um, let me see where I'm at in my notes because I had this. All I wanted to make sure I gave you. Let's talk about how to avoid strife. Avoid strife. Anybody got any clues on how to avoid strife? <laughs> Sit in the deer stand. Avoid people altogether. You see, you're like your mother. Just you know, just like John the Baptist, go out in the wild in the wilderness. Proverbs 15 and uh, chapter 15 and verse 18. In the Message Bible it says, "Hot tempers start fights, but a calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. A calm, cool spirit keeps the peace." How many of you have a calm, cool spirit? Two of you. Bobby. <laughs> Proverbs 15:1 in the Message says, "A gentle response diffuses anger." But a sharp tongue kindles a, a temper fire. So, a gentle response. How many of you have wanted to give a gentle response, but it just didn't happen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 13 and verses 4 through 8 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not prate itself, not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, go back to Genesis chapter 13. Abraham, in this situation, did everything he could to stop the strife. And that's why he's remembered today. So I'm going to read, pick up in verse 8. I just read to you what was going on between the herdsmen. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take to the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you do the right, I'll go to the left. Now, how gracious was that? 
Do you remember we talked about meekness? One of the definitions, you're a gracious individual. Would he have had to do that? No. What, what would you have done in that situation? But Abram wasted no time in preserving the peace, and he took the initial step in reconciling these two parties. And that's what's going to happen with you and I in the days ahead. Now hear me, because this is so important. I, I, I alluded to this in the beginning. If you sense that or see that or experience that here in church, waste no time to deal with it. Are you listening to me? If you, if you sense there's a spirit of strife, you know, and you have to be led by the spirit. I mean, if they're throwing fists, you know, I don't know if you want to get in on that, but I, I believe that's, it's not, yeah, you would. I believe it's not going to get that far. But do you know how many churches have been split? Oh, dear Lord, through the years. How many churches have closed their door? How many pastors have gone to work at Kmart? Well, I guess there's no Kmart anymore. The Target. How many pastors have quit the ministry because of that? Do you see why it's so important in you? The Bible talks about in Ephesians to guard the unity of the faith. Say, guard the unity of the faith. So Abraham, or Abram, was ble- he, he was a peacemaker. And I told you earlier, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, I'm going to give you a few scriptures. Then we'll finish this chapter. This is, this is Old Testament and New Testament that, that encourage us to, to be peacemakers and respond properly. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue kindles fire. I gave you that already. Verse 18, Hot tempers start fights. A calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. How many have ever known somebody that had a call, calm, cool spirit? You were impressed by them because they had a calm, Michael who? Yeah, he does. I've never seen him angry, to be honest with you. Have you? Dustin? Have you ever seen Dustin angry? Throw a fit? Kick Abe? Scream and shout? Whirl about? No. Uh-uh. So that's commendable. Do you suppose the, most t- the more time you spend with God, you're going to be more like Him? And you're going to not react, but respond? Right. Romans 14, 19 says, Therefore let us pursue, everyone say pursue, pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify another. So, Pursue means to go after. We've got to do everything in our power to keep the peace in the days ahead. Look at 2 Corinthians 13. Let, keep your, your finger there in Genesis 13. 2 Corinthians 13. I hate to tell you this, but in the days ahead, not everybody's going to like your pastor. Probably already don't. They're out there. It's that way wherever you go. But what do you do when you have a pastor? You pray for them. You hold their arms up. 
You encourage them. <coughs> you defend them. Would you like the fact or would you appreciate the fact if I defended you? Sure you would. 2 Corinthians 13.11 says, Finally, brethren, at Harvest Church, farewell. Become complete. Say, become complete. Now, that word in the Greek is interesting. Because it, it means this. It means to keep things in good repair. So all I'm basically... It's like mending the net. Remember when the fishermen? It's the same Greek word. It's to keep the net mended. So you and I have a responsibility at Harvest Church... To become complete are to keep things in good working order or good repair. In the days ahead, you've got to do everything in your power to keep things in repair. So if something needs to be fixed, fix it. If an attitude needs to be adjusted, help people get their attitude adjusted. Amen? Here's another scripture. I'm going to read it to you. You don't need to turn there, but I will read it to you out of the Message Bible. In Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, In light of these things, here's what I want you to do while I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the Master. I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Now, this is what I want you to hear. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Say humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Say, pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love. Here's the next one. This is so good. Alert at noticing differences. Alert, say it with me. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Quick at mending fences. That's what we should be here. He says, you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, Harvest Church, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. That's really good. That's important. Amen. Look at, uh, well, let me read it just for the sake of time. I'll read it to you because I got it in um, James. I'm going to read it to you from James from the Message Bible. In James chapter 3 and verse 13. He says, do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish, devilish conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throats. But you know what? If we're servants, that won't happen. Right? Now listen to this definition of wisdom. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. You know, I, I preach messages like this, and I think, you're, you're all good people. You know, I, I should do it on a Sunday, right? 
<laughs> begins with a holy life, characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle and reasonable. We're talking about meekness. We're talking about how Abraham handled the strife between his, the herdsmen. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day, cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. See, treating each other with dignity and honor. Even those that you don't agree with. You still need to treat them well. And if they don't get it, they don't get it, well, that's, that's sad. God bless you. But we need to make an effort of, of treating people. Uh, Bobby, I'll pick on Bobby, told me what happened. You know, I won't go into details, Bobby, but it was a good example. He was working in the kitchen, and, and somebody basically accused him of ratting on somebody in the whole situation. And Bobby didn't do that. Bobby says, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And finally, the guy got really mouthy. You, I don't understand why anybody get mouthy with you, Bobby. But Especially after being around you and knowing your history. But I was proud of Bobby. Um, he handled it well. And long story short, the guy, guy came to Bobby and asked him to forgive him. Now, Bobby... If you'd whacked him over the head or threw him through the window at Culver's, threw onto the cash register table, that wouldn't have worked well. But see, because you handled it well, you didn't get it, lose your, your temper all the way. You know, you don't have to be a wimp. You can speak the truth toughly. But it all worked out. Is he giving you any problem sense? Oh. <laughs> Okay, see how that worked out? Did it make things better? Isn't that interesting? You can lose somebody in a business or even a church and things will get better. Things will get better because that's God's way. It's peace. Not sheep drink at troubled waters, still waters. Amen. This is all preventative medicine, folks. Let me read you another one. Did I read James? Yes. First Peter. I'm almost done. First Peter 3. I'm going a little longer tonight, but I really, I really sense this was important. First Peter 3 and verse 8, it says this. He says, summing up, be agreeable. Be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble or meek. That goes for all of you, no exceptions, no, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless... I know that's hard for some of us. No sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job to bless. Say, my job is sarcasm. No, my job is to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day filled with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil, cultivate good. Run after peace 
For all your worth, God looks on all this with approval, listening and responding well to what he asks, but he turns his back on those, those who do evil things, those who sow strife. All those people in Congress, all that's going on in Washington, D.C., it's all going to come back to bite him in the backside. Amen? Now, look at Genesis, and we'll close. Genesis 13 again. <clears throat> We can learn so much from Abraham or Abram. He's still Abram here. Genesis 13, look at verse 8. I'm going to finish the chapter and I'll make some comments. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're all what? Family. We're all brethren. Is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left then I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, wasn't that magnanimous? Wasn't that generous? That just blows my mind. So, Lot lifted his eyes and saw what? All the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. So, what, what did, did he choose? <laughs> he, 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 he chose all the good land, didn't he? And it says, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Did he complain about it? No. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which you see I give you and your descendants forever. And all will, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth and your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length, its width, for I give it to you. And then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to God. Lot chose wealth. And pleasure. The wealth and pleasure of the world. A lot of Christians are doing that in this hour. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This, descends, this decision that Lot made ended up in captivity. Who had to go rescue him? Yeah. See, everything we think that looks really good isn't. He had to go, Uncle Abe had to go rescue him. So he, he ended up in captivity, and a little few more chapters later, God's judgment came on what? Sodom and Gomorrah. And I, I don't think Lot really, do you think he was enjoying his time as he fled Sodom and Gomorrah? Ended up in a cave. And we all know what happened in that cave, if you read your Bible. Huh? And yet, he thought he's, he, he chose the best of the land. Abram's, Abraham, or Abram's meekness, stopped a quarrel, and the result was a renewed covenant with God. 
Now, if you, if you realize Abram said, you can go take your pick. And he says, I'm going east. But you, if you notice and you read in 14, verse 14, he says, lift your eyes now, look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which I, you see I will give to you and your descendants forever. So he ended up with it all. Didn't he? He sure did. Lot might have gotten the better land, but Abraham received a better covenant. Amen? Lot had the paradise. I'm going to leave you with this to think about that. Lot had the paradise, or the temporary paradise, but Abram had the promise. And the promise sticks. Paradise doesn't. Anything the world offers is not going to stick. Amen? So, what did you learn tonight? I said a lot. What did you learn? What what are you supposed to do? You're the church. You're the sheep. Now, sheep, what are you supposed to do in the days ahead? Keep your mouth shut. Who said that? What else? Do everything to stay out of strife. Stop, st- that's good. S- stay out of strife and stop strife. Because you're going to be blessing your leadership here at Harvest Church if you'll do that. Amen. Anything else? Pr- thank you. Pray for your pastor. Help hold our arms up. Amen. You know, we have to deal with situations. And it's not pleasant. I don't enjoy it. But you know, we have to do it because we're shepherds. And we're leaders, whether we want to or not. Let's stand up. Abram, or Caleb's yawning, so. <laughs> Boy, we're all learning something here, aren't we? But you know what, folks? Let's apply it when we walk out the door. Get in the car and go home. Go to work. Go to school. Preventative medicine. We're going to pray tonight. I want to pray for, just get the ball rolling with, with, with Jeff. Amen? With Apostle Jeff that will be coming. I want to see that he's blessed financially. I want to make sure he's coming in January. He's tougher than Mike Keyes. I wonder what Mike would say if I said that. He's, he, Mike doesn't want to come in January because he's from Arizona. <laughs> so he comes in August and September. I'm creating strife, aren't I? <laughs> so I want to pray about that. And then um, I want to come against... Just I've just noticed in our family, I don't know about you, just it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Just like harassing spirits. You know what I'm talking about, like whether it be infirmity. How many are you dealing with and just not major sickness, but just stuff that just bugs you. How about finances? Are we all doing all right or could you use more? Everybody? Should raise your hand. You didn't raise your hand, forget it. It's too late. You're not getting any. God saw that. Those that raised their hand are getting more. Huh? Oh, it is? Whew. Let's head to merchants. 
That's just what happened, though, with Abram and Lot. Wealth came and then there was strife. Amen. So I'll have to step in and tell who to give the 10% and where. So I want to pray about that and then t- tell everybody because you understand what's going on. 